We're reading Judges, chapters 1 through 4, here on Commuter Bible OT. Under the rule and oversight of Joshua, Israel was doing well and was off to a good start in obeying the Lord's commands. Not long afterward, however, they begin to intermarry with the Canaanites, signaling not only an apathy toward God's commands, but an acceptance of the gods that the Canaanites worshipped. God declares that he will no longer drive out the Canaanites before Israel, and he leaves them in the land to test Israel's faithfulness to his commands. When their foes rise to power and they cry to the Lord for help, God raises up judges to fight for them. Judges Chapters 1-4 through After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, Who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, Come with me to my allotted territory, and let's fight against the Canaanites. I will also go with you to your allotted territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and Perizzites over to them. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, fought against him, and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai Bezek fled, they pursued him, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. God has repaid me for what I have done. They brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it, put it to the sword, and set the city on fire. Afterward, the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev, and the Judean foothills. Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. Hebron was formerly named Kiriath Arba. They struck down Sheshai, Ahiman, and Tolmai. From there they marched against the residents of Debir. Debir was formerly named Kiriath Sefer. Caleb said, Whoever attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer, I will give my daughter Aksa to him as a wife. So Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, captured it, and Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him as his wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What do you want? She answered him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land in the Negev, give me the springs also. So Caleb gave her both the upper and lower springs. The descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, had gone up with the men of Judah from the city of Palms to the wilderness of Judah, which was in the Negev of Arad. They went to live among the people. Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living in Zephath, 
and completely destroyed the town. So they named the town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza and its territory, Ashkelon and its territory, and Ekron and its territory. The Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country. But they could not drive out the people who were living in the plain, because those people had iron chariots. Judah gave Hebron to Caleb, just as Moses had promised. Then Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak who lived there. At the same time, the Benjaminites did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. The Jebusites have lived among the Benjaminites in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also attacked Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent spies to Bethel. The town was formerly named Luz. The spies saw a man coming out of the town and said to him, Please show us how to get into town, and we will show you kindness. When he showed them the way into the town, they put the town to the sword but released the man and his entire family. Then the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a town, and named it Luz. That is its name still today. At that time, Manasseh failed to take possession of Bethshean and Tanakh and their surrounding villages, or the residents of Dor, Iblium, and Megiddo and their surrounding villages. The Canaanites were determined to stay in this land. When Israel became stronger, they made the Canaanites serve as forced labor, but never drove them out completely. At that time, Ephraim, failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived among them in Gezer. Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron or the residents of Nahalal. So the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labor. Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko or of Sidon, or Alab, Aksib, Helba, Aphik, or Rahab. The Asherites lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land because they failed to drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh or the residents of Beth Anath. They lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land, but the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath served as their forced labor. The Amorites forced the Danites into the hill country and did not allow them to go down into the valley. The Amorites were determined to stay in Harheres, Aijalon, and Shalbim. When the house of Joseph got the upper hand, the Amorites were able to serve as forced labor. The territory of the Amorites extended from the Scorpion's ascent, that is, from Sela upward. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you out of Egypt and led you into the land I had promised to your ancestors. I also said, I will never break my covenant with you. You are not to make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You are to tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed me. What have you done? Therefore I now say, I will not drive out these people before you. 
they will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a trap for you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these words to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they named that place Bachim and offered sacrifices there to the Lord. Previously, when Joshua had sent the people away, the Israelites had gone to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the Lord's great works he had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaish. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshipped the Baals and abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord, for they abandoned him and worshipped Baal and the Ashtoreths. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he handed them over to marauders who raided them. He sold them to the enemies around them, and they could no longer resist their enemies. Whenever the Israelites went out, the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them. So they suffered greatly. The Lord raised up judges who saved them from the power of their marauders. But they did not listen to their judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with other gods, bowing down to them. They quickly turned from the way of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. They did not do as their ancestors did. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for the Israelites, the Lord was with him and saved the people from the power of their enemies while the judge was still alive. The Lord was moved to pity whenever they groaned because of those who were oppressing and afflicting them. Whenever the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their ancestors, following other gods to serve them and bow in worship to them. They did not turn from their evil practices or their obstinate ways. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he declared, Because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their ancestors and disobeyed me, 
I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel and to see whether or not they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it as their ancestors had. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. These are the nations the Lord left in order to test all those in Israel who had experienced none of the wars in Canaan. This was to teach the future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. These nations included the five rulers of the Philistines and all of the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived in the Lebanese mountains from Mount Baal Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. The Lord left them to test Israel, to determine if they would keep the Lord's commands he had given their ancestors through Moses. But they settled among the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, gave their own daughters to their sons, and worshipped their gods. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God and worshipped the Baals and the Asherahs. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them to King Cushan Rishathaim of Aram Naharaim, and the Israelites served him eight years. The Israelites cried out to the Lord. So the Lord raised up Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he judged Israel. Othniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed over King Cushan Rishathaim of Aram to him, so that Othniel overpowered him. Then the land had peace for forty years, and Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He gave King Eglon of Moab power over Israel, because they had done what was evil in the Lord's sight. After Eglon convinced the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join forces with him, he attacked and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites served King Eglon of Moab eighteen years. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he raised up Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed Benjaminite, as a deliverer for them. The Israelites sent him with the tribute for King Eglon of Moab. Ehud made himself a double-edged sword, eighteen inches long. He strapped it to his right thigh under his clothes and brought the tribute to King Eglon of Moab, who was an extremely fat man. When Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he dismissed the people who had carried it. At the carved images near Gilgal, he returned and said, King Eglon, I have a secret message for you. The king said, Silence! And all his attendants left him. Then Ehud approached him while he was sitting alone in his upstairs room, where it was cool. Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. 
And the king stood up from his throne. Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into Eglon's belly. Even the handle went in after the blade, and Eglon's fat closed in over it, so that Ehud did not withdraw the sword from his belly. And the waste came out. Ehud escaped by way of the porch, closing and locking the doors of the upstairs room behind him. Ehud was gone when Eglon's servants came in. They looked and found the doors of the upstairs room locked and thought he was relieving himself in the cool room. The servants waited until they became embarrassed and saw that he had still not opened the doors of the upstairs room. So they took the key and opened the doors. And there was their Lord lying dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while the servants waited. He passed the Jordan near the carved images and reached Sirah. After he arrived, he sounded the ram's horn throughout the hill country of Ephraim. The Israelites came down with him from the hill country and he became their leader. He told them, Follow me, because the Lord has handed over your enemies, the Moabites, to you. So they followed him, captured the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. At that time they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all stout and able-bodied men. Not one of them escaped. Moab became subject to Israel that day, and the land had peace for 80 years. After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, became judge. He also delivered Israel, striking down 600 Philistines with a cattle prod. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hashereth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, because Jabin had nine hundred iron chariots, and he harshly oppressed them twenty years. Deborah, a prophetess, and the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to settle disputes. She summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor, 
and take with you ten thousand men from the Naphtalites and Zebulonites. Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots, and his infantry at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take, because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. Ten thousand men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite had moved away from the Kenites, the sons of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zananim, which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the troops who were with him from Harasheth of the nations to the Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera all his charioteers, and all his army into a panic before Barak's assault. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord, come in with me, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. He said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a container of milk gave him a drink, and covered him again. Then he said to her, Stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, Is there a man here? Say, No. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day, God subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed him.
Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by the Christian Standard Bible. Thanks for listening, and remember to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know Him, and He will make your paths straight.